this morning. Yes, welcome to our virtual lobby here at Bethel. We're so glad you're here with us. We are. We're one church with many locations, including your home. So thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. So before we go into the sanctuary, we want to start off with when. So this is our opportunity to give God glory for what he's doing or for, for maybe just what we're excited about mm -hmm. um, coming up. So Sarah, what's your win from this past week? My win was celebrating you because it's with your birthday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my birthday was this past week. Is anybody else a March birthday? Let us know in the comments. Yes. Um, but we had fun. Yes, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. That was definitely my win. Um, just being able to celebrate with friends and family. Yes. So, so fun. So you guys, we're about to go into the sanctuary for worship. So we will see you afterwards. It's so good to be in the house this morning. We serve a big God, amen. We serve a great God. We serve the God who's delivered us and set us free.
one else can take your place Yes, I'm surrounded by you And no one else can take your place Come on, make that a declaration We're surrounded by you And no one else can take your place Yes, we're surrounded by you And no one else can take your place Yes, we're surrounded by you And no one else can take your place Come on, speak that We're surrounded by you And no one else can take your place Say you give life You give life you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. Say so it's your breath in our lungs. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise and your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Create our you, Lord, say you give life. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken cause great are you Lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your declaration your praise this morning is a weapon against the enemy so why don't you lift up your voice why don't you lift up your hands this morning and show the enemy what you got because you got a king that is undefeated a god that is unmatched right sing this all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry and these bones will sing
thankful for Jesus this morning the greatness of God he's overfilling this place he's overturning dry bones this morning he's taking you from your past season to your new season amen man he's so great and what's incredible about God is that authority and that love he shares with you he he, he comes down and, and he gives you the strength that you need he gives you the, the the strength that you need he gives you the wisdom that you need the grace that you need, he gives us the forgiveness that we need, amen. Some of us need some forgiveness in here, amen. So can we sing this chorus one more time? I know that I know that you guys know the song. We sing this song at Bethel. This is like the Bethel anthem right here. It's great are you, Lord, amen. So can we sing this verse, this chorus one more time and give everything that we got, everything, because he's been so good to us, amen. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our breath. We pour out our praise and show breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise and show breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only.
such a team. That was so, so good. <laughs> so incredible. You guys, we say it every week, but we yes. truly love our worship team. Yes. So tell us in the comments what your uh, favorite worship song from today was. That's right. Maybe you're going to listen to it this week. We want to yes. know. Um, so before we go to the sanctuary, we want to let you know that we have a really special message planned today. It's Pastor Mark, and he's kicking off a new series called The Power of One. So you guys, get out your notepads, get out your phones, whatever you want to take notes on, and let's go into the sanctuary for this amazing message. Well, hey there, everyone. My name's Travis. Welcome to Bethel, and thanks for being here. There's a lot happening here at Bethel, so we want to take just a few moments to share a couple things coming up for you and your family. So check this out. Well, if you're new with us here at Bethel, we want you to know that Bethel is a safe place, and we are so glad to have you here. You know, for us, church is so much more than just a Sunday service, and we want you to know there's a place perfect for you here at Bethel. One of the best ways that you can connect with us is to simply type the word connect in the comments right now. Just simply type the word connect, and a member of our leadership team will reach out to you this week and get you connected. Well, Bethel is a church full of difference makers, and we want to take a few moments to highlight our difference makers that serve here at Bethel as part of our dream team. This month's difference maker is Andrea Richardson. Andrea is such an amazing part of our Bethel family, and she serves on our dream team in our Be Kids Littles, as well as through the week as one of our edge group coaches. We're so thankful for Andrea and her amazing heart for people, for this house, for our kids, and for Jesus. Andrea, thank you for serving, for being amazing. You truly are a difference maker. If you have not joined an edge group, this is the environment that we've created so that you can be discipled, so that you can grow, so that you can become who God designed you to be because there's greatness on the inside of you. And yes, I get pretty excited about this because I've seen it happen in people's lives. Listen guys, edge groups is not another thing to add to your list. Not. Edge Groups is created for you. In fact, in our Edge Groups, zero management takes place. We don't do the work of ministry. We do the work of serving one another. And all the groups are led by a coach who's been trained and equipped to be able to serve you and meet you right where you're at, to disciple, to lead you, to equip you, to be everything that God designed you to be. And so this is your moment, guys. Like, don't pass up the opportunity. Edge Groups are launching in two weeks. We've got an opportunity for you to get plugged in right now. And so fill out that application, make sure you get in because we gotta make sure we have a spot and we have enough coaches and all those kind of things. So click the link right now, don't delay, don't wait, don't wait. Right now, click the link and fill out that application so you can be part of the transformation that God wants to have in your life. We love you, we'll see you there. We want to invite you to join us Thursday, March 18th at 7 p.m. for our prophetic and healing service. We are so excited about this night and we are expecting God to move in mighty ways. You can attend both in person or virtually via Zoom and childcare will be provided. 
So come with your faith high, and we will see you Thursday, March 18th at 7 p.m. for a time of healing and prophetic ministry. Well, again, thank you so much for being here with us today. Make sure you stay connected with us throughout the week online at BethelHarvestChurch.com and on Facebook and Instagram and now YouTube at Bethel Harvest. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is you feel his love stronger today than ever before. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everyone. As you saw, I don't really share a lot about how uh, things are going behind the scenes as as it has been a challenge in 2020 to keep up the budget and to still do ministry like we've been doing. God has been faithful to come through, and uh, and that's awesome. But I think in 2021, it's time to just take it to a whole nother level, an entirely new realm. And why? Because we're difference makers. And it's so cool making a difference in so many families, anywhere from 90 to 105 families every week that we're giving them groceries to just about do them for a week. And it's, it's so cool doing that. And we're doing so many other things here at Bethel. And you're, you are the ones that make that happen. You know, the, the word that God gave me when he gave me difference makers was this one verse particularly in Acts 10, 38. And you've seen, heard me use it. And it says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Now, we a lot of times focus, and we do, on the healing and the deliverance aspect of that, but the Greek phrase there, irrigato, actually for the words doing good, means to do charitable works or to do philanthropy, right? And it's, it's talking about giving and serving, not just doing works, but to sow financially into needs that people have. Jesus said, hey, if you don't give a drink of water, I can't give a drink of water. If you don't give food, I can't give food. If you don't feed the widows and the orphans, I can't. So I want to challenge you, Bethel family, you know, raise the standard of our giving. I am this year. I've set my faith at a higher level. I want to encourage you to set your faith at a higher level. And, you know, if you've been missing out on tithing, uh, it's time to get back on track because that's how God protects us is through tithing in our financial arena. He always finds a way to get you through. So as you get ready to sow today, you can see on the screen how to give, how to, how to give to push pay and other means. And I want to pray with you right now. Just get your hand on your phone or however you're sowing that seed right now. And let's pray. Father, I just thank you for my covenant friends today and members of Bethel. Uh, I just thank you, Lord, that you've called us for such a time as this to do good everywhere we go in every way. We just thank you, God. You called us to be your difference makers every day in every way. And God, you said when we give as charitable givers that your grace abounds toward us. Let your grace abound toward us so we can even do more for you and to make you even more famous. We give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Good morning, digital congregation of Bethel Harvest Church. We are one church family, but we got multiple locations. So what's up, digital audience? Um, you guys are amazing. So glad you chose to worship with us this morning. Uh, how about that worship team? In fact, you know what? Why don't you jump in the comments right now and give the worship team a little shout out um, for, for bringing the presence of God right into your home, wherever you're at. Uh, we so appreciate how they do that every single week. And so it's just fun. You're like, they don't always get a whole lot of feedback. So dropping a comment right now to let them know you appreciate them. Pretty cool thing. Okay, so today... We are going to launch into a brand new series called The Power of One. The Power of One. Do you guys realize we are only 
four, week, four weeks away from Easter Sunday. Um, and if you, if you know anything, if you've been in church just for a minute, uh, Easter's kind of like the Super Bowl of the church world because people will say yes to coming at Easter they wouldn't say yes any other time. And so they were more open to an invitation. And so we're four weeks away. So we're going to push in over the next several weeks on this idea of the power of one. And there's two sides to that because, first of all, you are the power of one. In fact, type it right now. I am the power of one. If you need to pound your chest a little bit as you do it, uh, that'd be hard to pound your chest and type at the same time. The power of one. Look at somebody in your living room right now and say, I am the power of one. Because what you do matters. The decisions you make matter. In fact, the decision you made just a little bit earlier on whether or not you took out your phone and shared this link right now for the, for the Facebook Live, that decision mattered to one person out there. Maybe only one, maybe hundreds of people because what you did, right? So you are the power of one. But Jesus says that he came to seek and to save the lost, but how did he do it? He did it one person at a time. I mean, it can be a heavy burden to say, we got to save the world. We got to save our city. We got to change the world. That could be a heavy burden. But the power of one, this is the idea that says, you know what? We can step into the opportunity that one person at a time, we can save the world. One person at a time. We can make a difference every day and in every way. One person at a time. That is the power of one, that we can reach a person. One, Just type it right now and type the power of one. So today, we're going to dive into the life of one man. You're going to notice the theme today, the life of one man, Gehazi, who stepped up. And, but then we're going to discover through, through his life that, you know what, sometimes God, it's never too late for us to, to be awakened and step up and make a difference. Because sometimes we forget. I, myself included, we forget the power of one. We forget that what we do matters. We forget that one person out there that I can reach, that you can't reach, I, I've got a responsibility to step up and demonstrate the power of reaching one person. So sometimes we can fall asleep on the job, guys, um, but Gehazi's going to encourage us that, you know what, it's never too late, too late to wake up! Some of you just woke up right now, you're like, whoa, I was, I was drinking tea and eating my my egg biscuit, and now I'm awake. Okay, so before I really dive into the, the, the meat of the Scripture, I wanted to talk to you about something first. I want to talk to you, I just made this up, by the way. I want to talk to you about scared sleeping. Scared sleeping. Type scared sleeping right now in the comments. You don't know what it means, but I made up the term, and this is what I'm talking about when I talk about scared sleeping. And I'm guessing most of you have related to this. Um, Scared sleeping is talking about the fact that when you go to sleep and there's some big event coming up, right? Something like some money, you're getting married the next day, or you got a big job interview the next day, or it's the first day of whatever you fill in the blank. And you go to sleep, and you're thinking, I, I got to get to sleep. You go to sleep in plenty of time. You get into bed plenty of time, but you can't fall asleep because you're too worked up. No matter how many sheep you count, you still can't fall asleep. And then when you do, finally fall asleep. You're sleeping scared. You're scared that you're not going to wake up. You're scared that your alarm's not going to go off, that it's going to break. I mean, it's worked 364 days before this, but you're scared that this is the day that the alarm's not. And so you're scared. And so you finally fall asleep. 
and you fall asleep, and then you wake up, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, okay, it's still dark outside, but maybe I overslept, and maybe the sun didn't come up today, and you look at your alarm, and you're like, oh no, it's still the middle of the night, early in the morning, and you're like, okay, and you double check your alarm, and you put it back down, and you're like, okay, I'm going to fall asleep, and then again, you count 52 million sheep, and you, you have a hard time falling asleep, and, 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 you, and you finally doze off into deep sleep, but guess what? You're sleeping scared again, and and when you get into deep sleep, all of a sudden you, you wake up with a start, and you're like, oh, my God. And so, anyways, this repeats throughout the night. Am I alone? If you know what I'm talking about when I talk about scared sleeping, comment yes in the comments. Because it is a disturbing night's sleep. You wake up, and you don't even know what day it is, right? Uh, if you've never had scared sleeping, just type, just for fun, type, I'm not scared. And, and you, you, you should know, you're in Kentucky, so you should know how to spell scared. Um, I'm not scared. So why am I talking about scared sleeping? Uh, I'm using a fairly silly story to make a very serious point. When I look at the state of our world, and I look at what's happening in the body of Christ, my observation, just me, it seems like many believers and much of the body of Christ are asleep. They're, they've fallen asleep on the job. I'll say it this way. We are not living with the urgency that our mission requires. That's what I mean when, we, when I say we've fallen asleep on the job. We're not living with the urgency that our mission requires requires. And so my prayer today is that this might be a wake-up call. Because when I look around, like, listen, I, I don't focus on the negative. I don't focus on the, where things are lacking. I focus on the abundance. And so when I look a little closer, and I look with eyes of faith, and I get my confident expectation set that God has positioned us for such a time as this, and we are on this planet right now to make a difference, I look around and I start to see some other believers who are waking up, who are beginning to look around at their workplace and look around in their community and look around on social media, and they're beginning to wake up to the urgency that the world needs us to be in right now, right? And so it, the bare minimum, you know what I'm praying from this message? I'm praying that after this message, at the bare minimum, you're sleeping scared. Scared that you might be missing the opportunity to tell others about Jesus. That you're not doing all that you could do to lift up the name of Jesus. I wish, I'm praying that you would get scared in your sleep. That like, you'd start to fall asleep in your complacency and the monotony of going to church and coming out the same way you walked in and going to work and seeing lost people who are far from God and not having your heart burn on the inside of you to tell them the truth that can set them free. I'm praying that, like, you're scared sleeping, you're startled. Oh, wait, oh, wait, I, I missed an opportunity there. Like, did you just can't, no matter how much you try to ignore it, counting your sheep, sitting at work, well, if I, if I just look over this way and get on my phone I don't have to act like I heard that conversation going on over there. Then I can just stay over here. Like I go to church on Sunday, so I'm saved. That's sleepwalking, folks. 
It's time for us to wake up! And that's my prayer, that you'll be scared that you're not shining the light enough, scared that you're not stepping into the opportunities that God is putting right in front of you, in your neighborhood, in your own family, in your kid's school, at their sporting events. Now, I say scared, but scared's not really the word, because God does not work through fear, through guilt, shame, condemnation. The, the actual word, the accurate word is, what I'm praying for is conviction. Psalm 139, what's it say? 139, verse 23 and 24, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. This is a beautiful prayer. You should write those verses down. Psalm 139, um, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, any way in me that I'm missing the opportunity. And then, wake me up! Actually, it doesn't say that. And then, lead me in the way everlasting. See, it's conviction that leads to a step in a new direction. And so, what I'm praying today is that God would maybe use this message to convict our hearts that we're not living in that urgency right? That he would convict our hearts so that he might awaken our hearts and lead us in steps in a new direction so that we take that full responsibility because God's put a calling and a mission on you. 2 Timothy 1.9, you are saved and called. You weren't just saved to get your ticket to heaven. You were saved and called with a holy calling. Before the world began, according, not because you deserved it or you earned it or because you're smart enough or you know the Bible inside and out, you were saved and called before the world began according to his own purpose and grace. There's purpose on your life. Everybody type, I have purpose in the comments because when we grab a hold of that purpose, when we grab it, you might want to type, I'm called because you are called to make a difference. Okay, so let's take this in to 2 Kings chapter 7 so that we don't get caught sleeping on the job. So let me set the stage here. 2 Kings chapter 7. Um, here's the background. Gehazi and his three sons are lepers. Okay? Gehazi, three sons, lepers, living outside of Samaria, outside the gates of Samaria. Okay? So they were already outside in the leper colony outside of their home, Samaria. So a deadly famine had overtaken Samaria. There was misery and death all around. People are dying for lack of food. They're eating stuff. They're, they're eating doves dung. They're eating donkey heads. Like, they're eating stuff. They're getting desperate, right? And so outside of Samaria are Gehazi's family because they're in the leper colony because they have leprosy. They can't mix with the, the people in the city. Okay, and then outside of Samaria is the Syrian army. And the Syrian army has set up camp, getting ready to attack Samaria. Now, the Syrian army is not in a famine. No famine for them. They got plenty of food and water and drink and money, and, and they are living large outside of Samaria. The Syrian army is camped out here. So Gehazi and his family, his three boys, they're hanging out in the leper colony. They're in between the Syrian army, and Samaria, their home. And Gehazi says, all right, fellas, 
we got three choices. One, we can stay right here and die. Two, we can go back into Samaria and kill us because they won't let us in because we got leprosy. Or three, we can go into the Syrian camp and perhaps God will move on our behalf and they won't kill us. Three options, right? And so Gehazi and his leadership, they decide to go for option number three and they go into the camp. And we're not going to read this part, but when they go into the camp, God moves and gets involved because they took a step of faith, right? That's a whole other sermon that I'm not going to preach today, but they took a step and they went to the camp. And when they did, the Syrian army, in the middle of the night, they heard the sounds of horses and chariots and soldiers running towards them, and their hearts were filled with fear, and they fled the camp. They left all their tents, all their food, all their water, all their drinks, and they fled from the camp in fear because God made Gehazi and his small group, his, his sons and a, probably a small group of people, seem like more than they were. I'm not preaching this sermon, but God will make you seem like more than you are and have a greater impact when you take a step of faith, when you have the the audacity to pray big, big prayers and make bold moves as you trust him. But you got to step out before God can move. He'll make you bigger and more than you are on your own. Okay, that was just a tangent. That was free. Are you ready? Here we go. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 8. It says, The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. So the, the armies fled. They're going in. They're like, oh my gosh, they're all gone. So they entered one of the tents and they ate and drank. Remember, famine, eating donkey heads and dove poop, okay? They went in and they ate and drank. And keep in mind, these are the lepers. They were in the leper colony. So if the city's in famine, they had even less. They were even more despairing. It says, then they took silver and gold and clothes and they went off and they hid them. They returned and entered another tent, and took some things from it, and hid them also. One tent, food, drink, gold, silver, clothes. Second tent, oh, there's more stuff. Let's get it, let's get it. Let's go hide it. And then they said to each other, what we are doing is not right. This is a day, oops, I lost it. What we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. This is a day of good news. And we're, does that sound like the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news? This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. And then let me read that last verse, verse 9, in the Amplified. It says this. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of glad, good news, and we are silent and do not speak up. If we wait until daylight, some punishment will come upon us for not reporting at once. So now come, let us go and tell the king's household, the king of Samaria. Let's go into it and say, hey, king, the, the, uh, the Syrians left. All the food and drink we need is all out here. It's the solution to the famine. And then the message, just a phrase from that, same verse, verse 9, it says, this is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. Mm, mm, mm. So Gehazi, 
and his boys, they found food, shelter, provision. And they realized as they went in there. So three things happened. What were they doing? Number one, they were enjoying the blessing of God. I mean, they took a step of faith. God showed up and like made them something more than they were on their own. And God showed up and the enemy fled and they walked in in provision. The little verse that says, God has laid up the wealth of the wicked for the righteous. See, God can move on our behalf in ways beyond our imagination, ways that we can't orchestrate on our own. And that's what happened here. They went in. They said, it's a day of great rejoicing. God provided out of misery and death and famine, God provided. He moved the enemy out of the way. And here's what I want you to hear. There was nothing wrong with that, to enjoy the good of the land, to enjoy what God provided. Listen, if God is blessing you right in the middle of a pandemic, enjoy it, all right? Don't feel bad that God's blessing you. Um, in whatever way that is, whether that's in, your, in just having peace in your spirit, even though you don't have money in your bank account, if that's blessing your business, it doesn't matter. Like, God will bless you, and don't, don't apologize for that. But what was wrong in this instance? What did they recognize? They recognized that they were eating and drinking and getting provision, but they forgot in that moment about the famine. They forgot that people were dying. Their own people back in Samaria were starving and dying from a lack of food. They, they forgot that they weren't the only ones in need. So don't apologize for the blessing, but guys, what they realized was this, that other people needed the bread they found. That if God led them to it, it wasn't just for themselves. God led them to provision with the responsibility of getting other people that same provision. Now, have you ever been driving down the road and you go a little off the side of the road? This, this could lead to a funny conversation because the side of the road on the other side of the white line is called the berm. But apparently only Ohioans and a small group of people say that. If you know what in the world the berm is, that is on the other side. My wife's like, I don't even know what that is. But sometimes, you know, occasionally, rarely, rare occasion, I might drift over the, the white line, and then all of a sudden it's, what is it? It's the rumble strips, right? And the rumble strips are there, so if you fall asleep, they wake you up so you don't have an accident. Has anybody been on the rumble strips before? If so, type rumble, because that's just a fun word to say and to type, hopefully, for you. I hope you're having fun right now. So the rumble strips are there to wake you up. And my prayer is that today, again, can be that rumble strip moment, that there's an awakening that happens in you. I'll tell you my rumble strip moment. My rumble strip moment was 2020. When I observed everything that happened in the last year, the pain, the pain of isolation, the pain of loss, the pain of uncertainty. I saw the evil of racism exposed and put out in public in ways it never has been before. I saw the division that was caused by an election this past year. Some of you are still divided over that. When I saw all these things happen in the past year, for me, that was my rumble strip moment. 
For me, it was God saying, Mark, are you going to sleep on the job? Mark, are you really going to act like you don't have the answer that everybody needs? Are you going to allow moments of opportunity to pass you by because it's not convenient, because you don't have time? Or Mark, are you finally going to have an awakening where, where the hope that I carry, because Jesus is the hope of the world, the conversation was my Father God telling me, Mark, it's time for you to wake up. If we can go through what we went through in the last year and be asleep on the job as a believer, I think we've got some time to get on our knees and start praying. I'm not judging because I've had to have that time myself. So I'm not judging. But if we learned anything this year, it was that the world is in need of what we have. Politics, politicians are not the answer. A pandemic being over and gone and back to normal is not the answer. Having conversations about racism, which is important and essential, but that alone is not the answer. You know what the answer is? Go ahead and type it in the comments because you know one word, Jesus is the answer. And you and I have the answer. And it's time for us to wake up and realize that the world needs us to speak up, to step up, to speak up, to love unconditionally, to be the light of the world in ways that we haven't been. And again, I'm not judging. I'm, I'm including myself in this. I want to preach this so that my soul has a greater awakening today. So that when I walk out of here, I'm going to love somebody better. I'm going to serve somebody more deeply. I'm going to see someone, even when I'm in a hurry. I'm going to see into their heart, into their soul, so that I can bring Jesus, so I can bring the hope of Jesus to them. So when you look at this passage and, and what happened here, I'm going to just give you three points. The three Fs. The three F words of what we learned from Gehazi. I just said F words because that was fun and I thought it might wake some of you up right now. So the three, and since we're talking about waking up and awakening, the three F words for us to have an awakening. The three F words of an awakening. Number one, the famine. The famine. Uh, Amos 8.11 says, the days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a, fam send a famine throughout the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. There was a natural famine for Gehazi and his people, right? But guys, I don't think we can deny, if you were before, no longer can we deny the, the spiritual famine that's happening in our world right now, in our nation, in our community. And people are hungry, and they're trying to satisfy that hunger with a whole lot of things, with likes on social media, with political agendas, with making more money when other people are losing it. Like, they're trying to fill their hearts, the hunger in their souls, that God-shaped void that only Jesus can fill. They're trying to fill it with a whole lot of things, and it just exposes the spiritual famine that's in our land. Let me give you some stats to back that up. According to the 2010 census, which is the last numbers we have, there are 500 people, 500, <laughs> 500, 
500,000 people in the Lexington metro area, 500,000 people. Of that 500,000, 250,000 are disconnected from church or don't know Jesus. Are you, are you letting that sink in? 500,000, 250 disconnected from church, they don't know Jesus, that's 50% of our community, the people we're going to the Walmart and Kroger and going into the mall, like the people we're doing business with, interacting with at school, 50% of them are not in a church. They don't know Jesus. That's a staggering number. And I think God would say to us, church, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Listen, Here's our heart as a church family, and you're going to hear from your pastor over the next several weeks on this same idea, this power one. We're going to change that number. It's not an option. We must change that number. We can, we will, we must change that number. And maybe you're thinking, well, I mean, is that really possible? I mean, this is a different day and age, and like, can we really change that number? I think I want you to go back and realize it's already happened before right here in Kentucky. In 1800, 1801, there was the Cane Ridge Revival, right down the road in Bourbon County. And it was a seven-day camp meeting near Paris, Kentucky, just down the road. And in seven days, 10 to 20,000 people came out. Now, they could probably only have about 10,000 at one time, but they believe at least 20,000 people came throughout that week to be part of the Cane Ridge Revival. It was one of the great events of the Second Great Awakening, which happened all across the frontier of the United States of America at the time. There was about 1,000 people that received communion during that time. Um, listen to this. If 20,000 people were there, which is what they believe happened throughout the week, that means that 10% of the entire population of Kentucky were at the Cane Ridge Revival. What? 10%, right? That means that what happened then, listen, we're still living in the ripple effects of what happened in that Cane Ridge revival. Like that, there's spiritual things that happen in this region because of seeds that were planted back there in 1800. 200 years ago, folks, and we're sitting right now in 2021. What if 200 years from now, I don't think God's going to tarry that long, but let's just say he does. 200 years from now, they're looking in the history books and they look back and they say, right there in 2021, something changed. There was a movement of God that shifted the entire culture of a state that rippled throughout the nation. If, if you want to be part of that kind of awakening, comment yes right now in the comments. Like, guys, I want us to sink this in. So the problem is that there was a famine. The second F is the food. The food, the food. 2 Kings 7, 8, again, it says, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents and ate and drank. Now, they got food and drank for their physical bodies, but we know the Word of God that we cannot live by bread alone, right? But we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we need the true bread. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John 4, he said, he is the living water. See, we have the solution to what everybody is hungry for. And they don't, they don't know, but that's what they're hungry for. Let me ask you, do, do you remember when you found the food? Do, do you remember when you found the food that satisfied your soul, that satisfied your spirit? When you followed Jesus. I remember for me, 
It was before, the summer before my ninth grade year, and I went to a church camp. By the way, not, not the one that you've all heard me talk about that I grew up at my entire life and still go to every summer. This was the one time I went to this camp, and I've never been back since. And I went to this camp meeting, and there was somebody talking. I couldn't tell you who. I couldn't tell you what they said. But what I can tell you is I was sitting in that auditorium, and I made a decision to follow Jesus, to make him Lord of my life. He forgave me of my sins. And I remember making that decision. I remember leaving that auditorium and walking across this little green area into another building. I remember the little book they gave me. It was green and blue and had a yellow logo on it. That's all I remember. But most of all, I remember being changed. I remember that before that I wasn't enough and I was unworthy and insecure, but in that moment, I found the love of Jesus and I became enough. Before that, I was riding on mom and dad's faith, but that was the moment that I was saved. See, now I have the food that the world needs. When did you make your decision? Some of you might need to type it in the comments right now. What was the day? What was the time when you made the decision? You don't have to give us the whole story, but when did you make it? Because we now have the solution. And that that leads me to the last point. The last F word of an awakening is the fix. You are the fix. Uh, Verse 9 again in the message says, man, this is so powerful. This is a day of good news and we're making it a private party. Guys, no longer can our faith, our salvation, the hope that we have in Jesus, the unconditional love that has changed us from the inside out, It can't be a private party. We can't come on a Sunday morning and not give it to the world. We have a responsibility. The power of one means you have to take ownership and responsibility and say, if I don't reach the one that God has placed in my path, that God has given me influence and responsibility to share, if I don't step up and reach the one, then I'm asleep on the job. It's time for us to have an awakening. It's time for us to realize that you and I are the fix to the famine, that we have the food, the the real food, the spiritual food that this world needs, and we are the solution. Matthew 9, 36 through 38, it says, when he saw the multitude, this is Jesus, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out his laborers into his harvest. Another translation, it says, instead of weary and scattered, it says they were harassed and helpless. Listen, the world has been harassed in 2020. The devil's agenda was to take out as many people as he could. He was, he was on not to take them out or to take their stuff, but to rob them of their faith so that they would feel helpless powerless to change, powerless to find hope again. Guys, the fields are ripe for the harvest, and you and I have a responsibility. Just type right now and just type, awaken me. Would you make that your prayer? God, awaken me. Make it your prayer. Because when we tap into this and we realize we are the power of one, but that there is one out there that is counting on us. Let me read you a quick little testimony as we bring this to a close. From, from Nicole Fields, who's here in our church family. Um, I'm just going to read it to you. But I want you to see the power of one. Uh, 
Some friends invited her who attended the church, Corey and Connie, invited her to Bethel eight years ago. And she said, I actually started coming because of the redefined service for her daughter. That's one person. She started coming because of the power of one. So she would go downstairs to the redefined service on Sunday mornings because that's when they had it. And then one day we were actually running a little late and I heard Pastor Stephanie singing on the stage. This is her, in her own words. Listen, the power of one. Pastor Stephanie Dalton's voice. One voice made a difference. She says she heard her sing and I was hooked ever since. As soon as I met Charlton, her now husband, in 2014, I invited him to come, and he was hooked too. Then Charlton's brother, Marshall, amazing guy, he started coming, and then his family started coming as well, and they loved it. And then she says, I invited Ashley and Zach Young, and now they're planted and rooted. She says her mom and her dad came to special events before they went home to be with the Lord, and her brother also came to one event, and he was saved uh, when we had a guest pastor, Wes Morgan. Again, the power of one person. She says, I'm still believing for her brother to come back, so we're going to release our faith there. Um, but that was a seed. She says, there's such power in an invitation to church. I couldn't imagine now not being invited to Bethel because it has truly changed my life. The concepts, the teachings that I absorbed have been influential in my growth with God. Bethel has shaped and molded me into the woman of God I am today. Thank you, Jesus, for Bethel Harvest Church. It's the power of one, folks. Here's how I want to bring this to the close. I, listen, if if you need a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but, but I want to land on this. For those of you that already have that relationship, you can remember the day when you came home. I'm praying for your awakening, and two things I'm going to ask you to do. Number one, in the comments right now, there's going to be a link. Um, you can download a card so that you can print off, and you can write the names of five people. Five people, you're going to be the power of one. They're going to be your one. Five people that you're going to invite to Easter service, which is four weeks away. Um, Five people to Easter service. And then the other thing in the comments is also going to be a link that you can click on, and there is a made-for-you invitation to Easter services. It's a digital invitation that you can send out um, to those five people and a whole lot more people and invite them to Easter service. That is the power of one. God, awaken us so that we can serve others with your love, so that we can shine your light, so that, God, we can't sleepwalk through our lives, but we see the one that you put in our path to show them your love. All right, if you're here right now in this awakening that I'm talking about, I shared my story of when I came to Jesus and you don't have that yet, this is your moment. I'm gonna pray for you right now. If, if you need to make a decision, you know you're far from God, you know if you died today, you wouldn't spend eternity in heaven, this is your moment. I want you to repeat this prayer with me right now. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins so that I could be saved. I believe it, and I receive Jesus now as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, you are new in Jesus. I want you to comment right now. If you prayed that prayer, comment Jesus, um, because we want to be able to help you take next steps. Our team will connect with you guys. We love you. We can't wait to see you every week from now until Easter and to see all those people you're going to invite. They're going to find Jesus on Easter Sunday in four weeks. We love you. We'll see you soon. Guys, that message was so good. It was so incredible. Let us know your biggest takeaway in the comments. Yes, we please. love engaging with you guys in the comments. So before we jump off, we want to give you all an opportunity to give, to partner with what God is doing here at Bethel. If your life has been impacted, if you just want to partner with us in the mission here at Bethel, we encourage you to do so. And you can do that by simply giving to BHC at 
877-777-7977. So you'll see a giving link right now. You can just click on that and it's going to take you to our push pay option. And we just, yeah, we celebrate that. Thank you so much for choosing to partner with us. Yes, and we can't wait to see you guys this week on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Yep. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube, you should do so. It's at Bethel Harvest. Click the notification bell so you can be updated on special content that Pastor Marion Dalton is dropping in the YouTube channel. So we'll see you next week.